technology to track every American already exists, but how long before the government mandates our compliance? This is Brief Before Impact. Hey, welcome everyone. I am Matt Parker and thank you for joining me. So today's brief is going to be discussing the ability for, for Americans to be tracked via very specific tracking technology. So the reason I even came up with this topic is because I was at Whole Foods the other day. I'm sure you've seen it. If you shop at Whole Foods, you can now put your palm over this device that has already taken a picture of your palm to recognize that it is in fact you. So imagine you go in there, you're buying your groceries for the day, you're ready to check out, and rather than paying with a card or cash, you put your palm above this particular device. It recognizes it's you, and then it charges whatever groceries you're buying that day to your Amazon account. So that is the catalyst for behind today's brief on wanting to know how far off are we from tracking individuals, not just through your cell phone, but something more, much smaller and inside that could be inserted inside your body. For example, I'm going to go through this, the technology that exists today. I'm going to highlight an example. Can't talk about, and can't do an episode without talking about China. Talk about how their government has tracked people. The Additionally, the issue of, uh, cyber hacks and hacking, and then lastly, give you examples of how, in a especially post-COVID world, something wrapped around your mind of what would be the catalyst for the government to demand that American citizens start doing this. But before I do, let me take a quick ad break, and then we'll get to work. All right, welcome back, everyone. Before I get into talking about tracking technology and so forth, I wanted to highlight, since my last episode was about the Chinese spy balloon that you're all aware of, and then I'm sure have seen recently a number of objects that have yet to be fully described or even recovered by the Pentagon that have recently been shot down over uh, Canada as well as the United States. I wanted to basically say I'm reading and watching on these and see what comes out, but at this point to me it seems like any guess of what these objects are would be speculative, and I don't know how much value I could really add by saying, oh, it's probably this, this is what's going on. I just don't know yet. I certainly have been watching it. I certainly recommend that you do the same because I think we're in a real fascinating turning point right now between Chinese and American relations. My guess is a lot of this is, is stems from incompetence, but the lack of clarity in geopolitics can lead to warfare. That is something that absolutely happens. I can highlight, and you've heard me highlight, how this was a big part of Putin's calculation to invading Ukraine, Western being Western leaders being quite vague on what they would do, in fact. So this is why I use that word often when describing geopolitical relations. So just know that I'm watching it as much as you are, and eventually we'll talk about it more in depth. But for today's brief, let me give you an example of some technology that actually exists uh, that would allow human beings to be tracked as well as pay for goods and so forth. And this reporting comes from uh, Professor Ahmed Banafa. He's an Internet of Things, blockchain, artificial intelligence expert. And he's writing for BBVA Open Mind. And Professor Banafa writes that as technology continues to get closer to merge with our bodies from the smartphones in our hands to the smartwatches on our wrists to earbuds. Now it's getting under our skin, literally with a tiny microchip. A human microchip implant is typically an identifying integrated circuit device or an RFID, radio frequency identification, transponder. It's encased in a silicate glass and implanted in the body of a human being. This type of subdermal implant 
usually contains a unique ID number that can be linked to information contained in an external database, such as personal identification, law enforcement, medical history, medications, allergies, and contact information. In Sweden, thousands of microchips have been inserted in the hands of Swedes. The chips are designed to speed up users' daily routines and make their lives more convenient. Accessing their homes, offices, and gyms is as easy as swiping their hands against digital readers. Chips also can be used to store emergency contact details, social media profiles, or e-tickets for events and rail journeys. Advocates of the tiny chips say they're safe and largely protected from hacking. But scientists are raising privacy concerns around the kind of personal health data that might be stored on the devices. Around the size of a grain of rice, the chips typically are inserted into the skin just above the user's thumb, using a syringe similar to that for giving vaccinations. Implanting chips in humans has privacy and security implications that go well beyond cameras in public places, facial recognition, tracking of our locations, our driving habits, our spending histories, and even beyond the ownership of your data, which poses greater challenges to the acceptance of this technology. To understand the big picture about this technology, you need to un know that the use of chips is an extension of the concept of Internet of Things, which is a universe of connected things that keep growing by the minute, with over 30 billion connected devices at the end of 2020 and 75 billion devices by 2025. Just as the world begins to understand the many benefits of the Internet of Things, but also learns about the dark side from smart everything, including connected cities, we're now looking at small chips using major new privacy challenges. All right, so this is a quick overview of the technology that exists that could that's being allowed for people in certain parts of the world to be incorporated in their daily lives. I mean, think back just a few years ago uh, when you had... You had a, a, a cell phone. You also had your 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 like kind of scheduling device. You had a number of devices that now, you, and you also had like an iPod, for example. Now they're all together into one. You fast forward a little more time. Now you can pay, like go to Starbucks. You know, scan the Starbucks app. Boom, you automatically pay. You don't have to pull out a card or cash or anything like that. This is a progression of technology, right? So this is where I'm taking us today, talking about this issue. I wanted to highlight how a similar type of technology in China is being used by the government to track its citizens in a particular city. It's not a chip inserted in the hand, but it's a similar device, and I want you to understand how we can connect the two, the one just merely being a progression of the other. Now, this is an article coming back in 2007, so think about the time frame here. So, And it's uh, from Keith Bradshaw writing for the New York Times, highlighting that in Shenzhen, China, at least 20,000 police surveillance cameras are being installed along streets in southern China and will soon be guided by sophisticated computer software from an American finance company to recognize automatically the faces of police suspects and detect unusual activity. Starting this month in a port neighborhood and then spreading across Shenzhen, which is a city at that time of 12 million people, residency cards fitted with powerful computer chips programmed by the same company Will be issued to most citizens. Data on the chip will include not just the citizen's name and address, but also the work history, educational background, religion, ethnicity, police record, medical insurance status, and landlord's phone number. Even personal reproductive history will be included for the enforcement of China's controversial one-child policy. 
Plans are being studied to add credit histories, subway travel payments, and small purchases charged to the card. Now, security experts describe China's plan plans as the world's largest effort to meld cutting-edge computer technology with police work to track activities of a population and fight crime. But they say the technology can be used to violate civil rights. The Chinese government has ordered all large cities to apply technology to police work and issue high-tech residency cards to 150 million people who have moved to a city but not yet acquired permanent residency. Both steps are officially aimed at fighting crime and developing better controls on an increasingly mobile population, including the nearly 10 million peasants who move to big cities each year. But they could also help the Communist Party retain power by maintaining tight controls on an increasingly prosperous population at a time when street protests are becoming more common. Quote, if they do not get the permanent card, they cannot live here, they cannot get government benefits, and that is the way for the government to control the population in the future, end quote. According to Michael Lin, the vice president of investor relations at China Public Security Technology, which is the company providing the technology. So think about this. First of all, this is a dated example going back in 2007. This is a communist party or a communist government wanting to track the activity of each of its citizens in this one city as an example. Okay. Now. That was just on a card that people were um, that people were carrying, mirrored by, or I should say, enhanced by the twenty thousand surveillance cameras as well. And I know just reading other data, I probably talked about this in the past, especially in artificial intelligence, that the ability for cameras to track people real time, especially in China, is far superior than it was today than it was in two thousand seven. So imagine, let's connect the Sweden China example, okay? Because Sweden is very much a liberalized country, and the same type of top-down control is not going to be the case there as it is in China. But think about this. If now, rather than just a car that people are carrying around, every aspect of someone's life is through a chip inserted into like their left palm between their main finger and their thumb. Everything they do, every time they buy something, uh, every time a camera managed by the government or the police, the security service, recognizes that chip, immediately pulls up the profile on someone, knows who they are. Think about how that could become an extension of a aggressive police state wanting to maintain control of its citizens. Okay, and I'm talking about connecting technology with an intention of a government party. Okay, the obviously extreme example being a, in China being a one-party state entirely ran by the Communist Party. But you can see how the advancement of technology underlies their intention and compliments, I should say, their intention to maintain control over their billion-plus people population. So here's the connection that I see the biggest challenge to implementing such a advancement of tracking technology. And this is the issue, and I've talked about it many times in the past, of cybersecurity and cyber hacking. Because if imagine for a moment that all of you, your who you are represented in terms of data, that is, your personal security information, date of birth, et cetera. And now it's inside this one piece of technology, how that could be potentially stolen by someone who wants to just, um, you know, just like we're familiar with stealing your credit card information to go buy something. The same thing could be, if that's the case, now it's all in a digital chip that can be recognized via a scan. Every time you scan for about a, a gallon of milk or you walk into your favorite gym, that same ability to 
communicate between that chip and the door reader that you're going into could be now be stolen by an actor. Let me give you an example, the article highlighted by Newsweek, that every day of the year, hackers unleash a stream of major attacks against government agencies, companies, and individuals. Last year, they took down emergency services, threatened regional power grids, disrupted patient care at major hospitals, brought trains to a halt, took over radio stations to sow panic among listeners with a fake crisis, set off raid, air raid alerts, and attacked U.S. nuclear scientists. So far this year, hackers broke into the communications firm Slack and stole email addresses of more than 200 million Twitter users. More than 70 million Americans are hit by cybercrimes every year. That's according to a research firm, PurpleSec. Often leaving people defrauded, spied on, or even publicly humiliated uh, by having private photos and other information published online. More than two-thirds of small businesses have been victimized by hackers at least once. Some experts believe that just about every large organization and government agency has been breached. That's how enormous and constant cyber attacks have become. Last year, 22 billion personnel and business records were exposed in hacks on U.S. companies, according to a study by Flashpoint. And that doesn't include breaches that were unidentified or underreported, which may well represent the majority of hacks. As bad as it's been, it's getting worse. According to security firms that track attacks, the number of breaches, which has been growing 15% per year, jumped by 38% in 2022. There are many reasons why hackers seem to have the upper hand. For one, they've become institutionalized, with backers such as Russia, China, and other nations providing shelter and funding in massive ranks of hackers in their countries. The targets are also growing more numerous as billions of people hook up tens of billions of new gadgets on the internet, each providing an entry point to a computer network. And powerful new hacker tricks and tools, some of them powered by artificial intelligence, are springing up almost daily on the black market. Okay, so what have we laid out? One, there's this very compact technology that can be inserted inside your hand that can essentially maintain all the personal information that you need to live your life. Two, we have an example of a communist government tracking all of its citizens with the ability to limit their civil rights and certainly we saw that example during COVID in their massive lockdown in that country. And now they have the ability to track who you are, your credit score, who you voted for, all this kind of stuff, all in the simple palm of your hand if they were to implement that kind of technology. So connect these with me. Lastly, if the uptick in hacks continue, then all of us are going to be exposed to one way or the other. Now think about the technology I'm highlighting, it's all driven around the idea of convenience, especially in Sweden, wanting to simplify their lives. That's why the first example at Whole Foods I, I mentioned, being able to put your palm over something. You don't have to pull out a credit card. You don't have to pull out some cash. Put your palm over this. They've already taken a photo. You're in their database. Now they just, boop, you're paid. It's charged to your Amazon account. What if Whole Foods gets hacked? What if you know Amazon's data is breached? That's millions and millions of people the personal information just able to be stolen. And it's all driven initially out of the idea of convenience. But how long would it be before, just like the example in China, some kind of crisis scenario drives a government in the United States to mandating that Americans now carry some kind of technology or it's inserted inside of their hand in order to prevent the spread of something? We all just went through this global pandemic. 
So let's let's think about what has actually happened here. We were told to stay at home. You cannot travel because there was a great deal of fear because there's a lot of unknowns in the early days. Okay. Over time, the data was revealed, and we realized which segments of the population are more vulnerable to this to the virus than others. Vaccines came out. Courses of actions were you know came out as well. Personal protective equipment, mask, etc., six feet. All those kind of things were implemented over time. And that was the first time in history, in this country at least, that we told healthy people they couldn't move. And it was all driven out of the fear of a virus. I'm not dismissing that fear being uh, significant or not. It's just saying this is what the government did. Now imagine another crisis happens, another type of pandemic, another type of virus spreading through the population. What would it take, now that the technology exists, for the government to mandate that you, American citizen, have to be tracked like, to prevent the spread of this new virus? Because they want to, say, manage contact tracing. Who touched who, who touched who, that spread the virus. Now we're going to lock you down. Now we're going to track you. What would it take for that to happen? I'm just connecting the dots. I'm making some inferences on things that have happened and that exist and trying to think of what could be. Now, the first example of Sweden is all about convenience. But in a crisis, governments will absolutely diminish our rights in order to, under the guise of protecting the, the population, will deem some drastic measures. I'll, let's even highlight the example of the Biden administration using the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, OSHA, if you never knew what that was, because I certainly didn't before. Remember they would have required employers that had more than 100 workers to mandate vaccination or face weekly testing? And, of course, that got shot down in the courts because it's ridiculous. The point being, it doesn't take much, at least in my imagination, to create a scenario that the underlying technology, for based upon convenience, powered by a great deal of fear with an unknown situation, virus, pandemic, fill in the blank, that would ultimately be mandated for you as the American citizen to be tracked and maintained by the big by some big government. This is the problem I have, but I'm also encouraged by the system that we live in if you're in the United States. Because, just like the OSHA requirement by the Biden administration, which was shot down the courts, living in this republic as we do, it's essentially 50 small countries all under the same umbrella. You have governors and attorney generals that sue in the courts to figure out who's gonna, who wins and who loses. It's that system that has protected people's rights. It might be frustrating at times. It might be slow and inefficient at times. But ultimately, its underlying principle is to protect you, the individual, and your liberty, which, frankly, I'm very proud of. And even though it's not always perfect, it does finally get the job done. So I hope you found this interesting. I'm fascinated by this topic as we are guided by convenience and speed of movement, all based upon this new technology that comes out every year. But we have to be vigilant, I believe. We have to be aware of how technology could be abused to diminish our individual liberties and freedoms. So as always, I hope you are picking up what I'm putting down. I am Matt Parker. This is Brief Before Impact. (laughs) 